0: just reading over the statement from York Police and a detail that they add in is that uh, in the aftermath of a man alleged to have shot five, actually six, because one of them was injured, five of them are dead, Um, six of his fellow condo owners, and then he ended up being confronted by police. We don't know the circumstances exactly under which he uh, was killed, but he was shot by police. Uh, But police also saying that in the immediate aftermath of that, they had to go door to door in the building, first of all, I guess, to gather some evidence, but also they needed to be sure there wasn't a second gunman, or there weren't more people who had been shot. Um, So they have done that. The building is secure and safe and police continue to patrol it while the investigation also continues. Just a horrifying evening at that condo tower on Jane Street in Vaughan. We're joined now by Scott Reed, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. And Scott, I don't think this is a story many of us can provide any major insight into. So I don't know that we need to dwell on it now. We can let the news department handle it.
1: Yeah, I guess you know. I mean, it's it's so alarming in its uh, nature because it sounds. This is going to sound terrible, but it sounds so. Um, it sounds so foreign. It sounds like the kind of story that oh, you know what, this happened at some place in Texas or some other place. But you know, uh, uh, it it just it you know that's that's alarming. Another thing is just as you were talking it. <laughs> Places you in the position of the police officers uh, in the aftermath, where you're thinking about officers having to go door to door, not knowing whether there's somebody on the other side of that door with a gun. Um, that's truly terrifying uh, to imagine. And those of us who have friends in law enforcement, you think, gosh, you know, like that's that's when we talk about people putting their lives in their hands, because literally everyone in that building and all those police officers responding are fearing for their lives.
0: And you're right. I don't. We can't get smug and say it doesn't happen. It does happen in Canada. We have mass shooting events, but in the United States, it's like an advent calendar. There's, it's almost every single day. Yeah,
1: and it doesn't feel like and I have no idea what the circumstances are and be totally irresponsible to speculate, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like one of those select pieces of you know, gang violence where people can comfort themselves, which is horrifying. Oh well, that's you know a, a part of society of which I'm not part and therefore less vulnerable to. No, it's, you know, this is the kind of thing that's so so terrifying because it's so random.
0: Um, I've been mentioning this column by Chantelle Baer, and uh, I'll let you shed some more light on it. I find Chantelle Bear very, very insightful because I don't find that she shills for anybody. She provides what I think is often really, really insightful ideas about what's going on in national politics. Her latest column is about how Pierre Polyev is making it easier for Justin Trudeau to effectively consolidate his leadership over the Liberal Party and over a restive caucus, and lead them into another election doesn't mean that Pierre Polievre is a doomed candidate, but it just means that the chemistry of things has changed, and Justin Trudeau doesn't look that weak anymore.
1: Well, I I agree with her to a degree, and I'm like you. I have an enormous regard for Chantelle, and worked with her off and on for I don't know 25 years. Been on the receiving end of many of a column of hers when I worked in government, but you know, I I think. First of all, I've always believed that Trudeau would run in the next election. But I have often thought that the prospect of Pierre Poly, of distilling as he does and symbolizing as he does, not just you know change for those who are tired of Trudeau or maybe disliked him from the beginning, but distilling that new hard edge of the right, um, that which feels like it is grievance politics. It's uh, let's channel up people's anger, feed it back to them, and see if we can get it moving. And in that sense, I, I do think that it's... Um, It's motivating to Trudeau. I think it's motivating to his troops. I think it um, provides them, you know, years and years into their government. Uh, steeped in incumbency, gives them a, a cause, right? And they say, you know what? We've not really had a big bad to fight against. We've had political opponents, but this is something that we can say to ourselves, this is a cause for which we're fighting. We gotta stop this guy and all that this guy represents. And I think that's stirring people on that side. The challenge I would say is, the reason that that seems so potent is because Polyev is so strong. It's not because Paul, Paul Yev, as you say, is doomed, or even weak, it's his very strength and the threat that that poses that makes all of this uh, a little bit more real i think the next election is going to be a doozy i think it's going to be bigger than just an election and i do think that trudeau and and polyev as a clash is going to be really significant watch and incidentally as a matter of pure political analysis ask yourself what that means for the ndp I think it means that they get diced out of the play. I really think it's going to be very hard for them, in you know this kind of you know mano a mano uh, boxing match of the uh, heavyweights, to squeeze their way into the discussion and debate.
0: If anything captures the elation from yesterday's result at the FIFA World Cup, it would be this Argentinian play-by-play man.
1: Montero!
0: <laughs> but that was exciting. You don't need to understand much about soccer to have loved yesterday's game.
1: Yeah, it was dramatic uh, beyond uh, measure. I um, I am literally the donkey that turns to his son. So my oldest son is staying with me right now, 24, and he and his girlfriend are over. And so we're watching the world cup, and at about the 70, I needed to go, I needed to go to a, uh, a Canada post. So I'm like, oh man, it's just going to be really busy and terrible. You know what? There's only like at the 78th minute, I say to myself, you know what? I'm going to bail. This thing's over. France has looked lifeless no. this whole game. <laughs> I get in the car. By the time I've actually gotten the car moving, rounded the corner and turned on the radio, I flip on TSN radio to listen to the game. They're talking about goals. I call my son, I'm like, what the hell happened? He said, I told you not to leave. There's been two goals. I will say this on top of all the drama. uh, I just, you know, this happens sometimes in the world juniors, but like, I hate that they decide games like this. I can't even rejoice. I actually was cheering for Argentina degree to which I had a a dog in this fight, but I, I can't, I can't rejoice for the team that's won. The circumstances are so crushing that all I can do is identify with the team that lost. It's a terrible way to lose. You play one game all along and then they go to penalty kicks, an entirely different game, you know, based on the capricious hopes of which way a goalie jumps. And there you go. But my God, it was, uh, you know, heart in your throat time.
0: Yeah, you know what, I've, I've mentioned in the past being very lucky to have watched some really important, I realize some people watch everything, but when it comes to sporting events, I've just ended up watching some really important and immortal, I think, playoff games, and yesterday we had wrapped up playing virtual golf, and I just thought, no, we're not getting in the car, we're going to finish this game, and boy am I glad I saw the rest of it, because we were sitting there when the French all of a sudden came, came to life, and then, you know, the rest of the game, it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I immediately rushed to a bar as soon as I saw the game was tied. I'm like, I've got to go sit there. And then I'm like, I'm sitting there enjoying the game, sweating and thinking i got to go run these errands. I can't just sit here drinking beer in the middle of the bloody day. But I couldn't leave the game. Uh, so it was uh, uh, it was one of those things where you go, like, remember that time. This is going to be, yeah. i remember
0: that time. Uh, Elon Musk was actually present at the game in the company of Jared Kushner, who happens to be the son-in-law of Donald Trump. Uh, but one of the things, uh, the, the, in, completely and utter chaos this weekend on Twitter, I have to say. And Elon Musk asked at one point yesterday, should I step down as the CEO? And he just posted it as a poll, and at the moment, he's still losing.
1: Yeah, you know, this uh, I think there's Unserious things and serious things to be distressed about when it comes to Elon Musk and Twitter. I count that as one of his unserious things. Every once in a while, he'll put a Twitter question on, and it's it reminds me of the Roman gladiators asking of the crowd, thumbs up or thumbs down, as to whether the emperor will uh, have a, a gladiator's life taken. You know, it's sort of like, hey, do people think I should put Donald Trump back on Twitter? Hey, do you think I should eat a hoagie today for lunch? Like, that stuff, it, it, it drives me a little nuts. What he's doing overall with the platform, what he's doing overall in terms of the division of his focus. Uh, and. What he's doing over overall in terms of really taking something that was that's a massive platform for people to connect and that had become that it become concerningly polluted and making it even more polluted even more scabby and dirty and distressing it, it's really bothering me i i'm not one of those who says i'm abandoning twitter but i am so down on musk i i, I think this is so cancerous um when you have when you have something that's become um part of the the public comments, if you're personally responsible for that, and there's just no sense of responsibility, no sense of obligation to the public interest whatsoever, I just think the guy is a, I I think he's a terrible, bad influence. I think he's a menace to society in the literal term.
0: Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Thank you. That is Scott Reed, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. And yeah, one of the things I've noticed uh, a tremendous surge in that I find very worrisome is bogus information about COVID and vaccines. And it's always represented as if, well, that's the other side of the story. No, that's the disproven science from doctors, some of whom have been stripped of their licenses.